How's it going? It's going. It's going. <laughs> I'm a little. I'm a little hungry. I'll be honest. <laughs> Adam is hungry. Polly am, is here, <laughs> I, and I'm also hungry. So, y'all, this might be a short episode. Yeah, we're here for five minutes. Like, okay, we'll leave some books for you in the show notes. Bye. Bye. It's tacos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's see what we've got for you on the Book Squad podcast today. Uh, we are going to talk about. Uh, books yeah. and libraries because National Library Week is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. April 23rd through 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, so as of recording this, it's over a week away. When you actually hear it, who knows? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it could be the day. Uh, so get excited. Go to your library. Give all the librarians a elbow bump or a high five or a whatever you feel comfortable Compliment doing. Compliment their cardigans. Mm-hmm. Ask about their cats. Yes, um, do that. I mean, we love it. We yeah. love to hear it. We yeah. want, want to see you. We want to talk to you. Come see us. Yeah, I'm perhaps a little biased, but I love libraries. <laughs> <laughs> it's payday today, too. So, like, we yeah. we absolutely... <laughs> we love libraries. We love libraries because, <laughs> you know, it's our job. And we got paid today. Um, but really, uh, like, let's talk... We were going to talk a little bit about... Um, libraries and how we got interested in yes. working in libraries, becoming a librarian, what mm-hmm. have you. Uh, why don't you go first? I, I ironically never, ever saw myself working in a library, even though I grew up in libraries. I've always loved books. I've always loved reading. That's been my number one hobby since I was small and my mom used to read me Dr. Seuss when I was like mm-hmm. a literal toddler. Like mm-hmm. some of my earliest memories are just being read books. And uh, one of my first jobs, like under the counter jobs, was working my mom's bookstore. And then when I moved to Lawrence as an undergrad, I worked at the KU bookstore on campus. Mm-hmm. And so I had so so much experience working in bookstores. I never really considered working in libraries until a position opened. And I was like, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. I could do that. And then seven plus years later, I'm I'm still here. And um, yeah, it, it's just, it's one of those things where it just kind of organically happened because I kept being interested in working with books. But for some reason, never in my life had I ever considered, maybe I want to be a librarian. Yeah. Like I never mm-hmm. thought about going to library school or or yeah. do anything like that. I just like kept taking jobs that seemed really interesting to mm-hmm. me and then just kind of stumbled upon this position and then was like, you're never taking it away from me. I'm here forever. <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, books <laughs> seems to be a common theme. Yeah. And what I'm interested in. Uh, I love to books. make a living. I love talking um, about books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, luckily some really smart person hired you <laughs> seven years ago. I don't know who that would be. Um, okay. Well, what okay. about you? What's my journey? So same, same. I I used to go to the library by myself all the time. Probably wasn't supposed to do that. Um, don't don't drop your kids off the library by themselves, folks, unless they're <laughs> 11 or above, I think is our rule. Um, but yeah, I'd go all the time, just sit in the library and read. Uh, school library, I was all up in the school library all the time. Recesses, I would go to the library and before school, after school, all the way through, all the way through middle school. I think once I got to high school, I was doing some other things, like cool, cool kid things or whatever. But um, I wasn't a cool kid. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that same thing. Um, love reading, love books. I mean, a lot of people say that, but it, I mean, I think for me, it was like a showed me a life that was like not. Like anybody's around me, and mm-hmm. that I, you know, was interested in pursuing that. So, but same went to college. I was the first person in my family to go to college, and did not know what I was doing. Had no idea what I should be doing. Just sort of bumbled along until I got out of school with a, a double majored in psych and sociology, and then got sucked right into grad school by a lovely professor who took me under her wing and went for sociology because but that's who my professor was. Mm-hmm. Same, did not have any concept. A lot of people don't know that, you know, lib- 
to become a librarian, you need a master's degree yeah. in library science, uh, library and information science. And so it just doesn't, people just don't even know that's a career option because they don't know what librarians do. They just know they come here and there's books here. So um, I I had a long history or a long like work life of nonprofit stuff that I had done. And I was just so tired of doing all of that. Um, so I was at a, I was at a bunco group one night, <clears throat> excuse me. And a friend of mine was like, I just applied to library school. And I was like, what? <laughs> library school? Talk to me about this. Um, and she's like, yeah. And I was like, well, I want to do that too. I am so tired of what I'm doing. And, uh, that's how I ended up getting a second master's degree in library science without having worked one day in a library. <laughs> I, that was very unusual. I didn't know that was unusual, but like everybody else there primarily were already working in libraries mm -hmm. and were trying to like move up to a librarian position. And here's me like, I'm just coming out. I don't know. Never worked in a library. Just want to be a librarian. So um, that's what I did. And I took a, a, a job right out. Oh, well, not right. Actually, it took me a little while to get a job because um, you might not know this, but librarians don't make a ton of money. Um, <laughs> there, some libraries are they, they just don't. Public <laughs> servants aren't always rolling in it, and so even though I had been working nonprofit, I was still making more than I could, like at an entry level librarian position. And it took me a little while to figure out how to make the leap because I had three kids and like we needed my income yeah. to stay pretty stable. So, but finally, like I was so miserable. My husband was like, just do it and we will <laughs> figure it out. And we did. We did figure it out. I took a job at the Leavenworth Public Library for a minute. Something opened up here at the Lawrence Public Library. And on the very last day of library week april 29th will be my 10 year anniversary here at the lawrence public library that's so exciting clap, 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 clap. <laughs> <laughs> clapping for myself into the microphone so that was a long a long story about how i um came to work in a library but i what i will say is every job i've ever had about 18 months in i'm starting to like look at Indeed or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, I'm looking at the classifieds, whatever format the classifieds are in at that time. And I'm, I have never once looked at the classifieds since I started working here. Yeah. Like I just am like, I'm not going anywhere. So <laughs> sorry, any listeners who are librarians who want my job, um, don't plan on leaving. Um, <laughs> and I'm, until I retire. But um, yeah, well, that's how I got here. Love the work. It's probably not, I mean, you, it's probably not what everybody always thinks librarians no, not at all. do. Yeah. We don't get to read all day. Mm -mm. No, not no. at all. Mm -mm. It would be nice, but no. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would be super nice. Um, we don't get to read all day because uh, I said I was done with nonprofits and then I chose to go into nonprofit public library work instead of like going to academic library or a specialized private library. Mm -hmm. I guess my heart was still kind of in nonprofits, but um, yeah, we, there's just a lot of stuff that you don't realize you'll be doing when you come to work in a library. Like for a long time, I was, you know, I was super stoked to be in a library because of books. Yeah. <laughs> and then because I had not ever worked in a library, but I had tons of programming and like marketing experience. My first job was being a programming and marketing librarian. Yeah. So I didn't really even get to do anything with the books. And then mm -hmm. when I started here, I was a programming library and I still didn't really get to do anything with the books. And mm -hmm. when the reader services, we decided to restructure and make a reader services department, it was like the best thing that has ever happened in my life because yeah. I want, I wanted to be Nancy Pearl. Like that was my <laughs> whole dream was to become like America's librarian, Nancy Pearl from the Seattle public library. Um, she's was my idol and to like finally get, to spend my time marketing the books and getting people excited about books and having reading conversations with people and helping people find something great to read. Like 
running book clubs and doing a, a majillion things. Like that's been really exciting. And of course, uh, since I'm a supervisor, I do less of that. Because <laughs> I spend a lot of time in meetings talking about how to get the books out to people. But, um, but still, I think I still like am happy with that. Yeah. Happy with that. Good. Anyway, my microphone kind of goes out in and out a little bit. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Sorry if that's um, uh, bothering anybody on the listening end. But um, yeah, what are we going to talk about now? Um, I thought it would be appropriate if we talked about books involving books and or libraries. Solid. As a way to celebrate how Solid. much we love libraries. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's do that next. All right. Okay. So first off, mm-hmm. I have a book recommendation that is not about books or about libraries, technically. <laughs> <laughs> let's set so the I'm rules cheating. and break them uh-huh. immediately. Yep. You know, I I am who I am. Um, All right, Popeye. So (laughs) uh, this book, I think, captures the spirit of what it's really like to be a librarian. When I was reading, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. It's a very specific kind of love of material, but also almost like a freakish meticulousness that comes when it comes to cataloging or maintaining a collection because that's something that people don't really think about when they think about librarians where if you work in libraries you will at some point most likely be involved in the the maintaining of the collection whether you are on the floor weeding books and getting rid of them or you are in the back assessing Mm -hmm. books for damage or you're downstairs buying books and cataloging them. That's how our library is structured. Obviously different, Mm -hmm. different libraries are different, but this one really captures what it's like to be surrounded by material and to have such a passion and love for, for your work and for what, what you are, are just like the materials you're working with. It's just like, it's, it just completely captures what it's like to be a librarian. They even have like a really funny line about like being a librarian. Um, mm-hmm. But that book okay. is Dead Collections by Isaac Fellman. It is a book about a vampire who works in a uh, rare items collection uh, place where he just sorts through all these old artifacts and preserves them and makes sure they are safe and will live another day. Mm-hmm. It's a That's what we do. Yeah, it's what we do. <laughs> it's a it's a quiet story. It's definitely a character piece, but again, mm-hmm. it just I think really exemplifies what it feels like to love something so much even though yes, technically you're not going to make a lot of money and yeah, you have to deal with yucky yucky books sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's just there's just something about it that's so incredibly appealing and that one just emotionally captures mm. this experience mm-hmm. so well that like when I was reading, I was like, yes, 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 like every other page because I was just like, yes, I get this so yeah. – I get this so much. Like I, I relate to this character. Um, but yeah, I recommend that one. I think it's it's quite good and I think it has broader appeal um, just beyond libraries because of – yeah, it's like it's working with this material and and making sure that – just history and language and culture is preserved in a way so that others in the future can can enjoy it, mm-hmm. which I think is what libraries basically do. Yeah. I mean, information's kind of useless. Stories are kind of useless if people cannot access them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and there has to be a mechanism in your society to make sure those things yeah. are passed on. Exactly. Super libraries. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, do you do you want to go back and forth or do you want to like okay? Uh well my first one is uh Dear Fahrenheit 451, which um funnily by Annie Spence, and I actually have not I haven't read Fahrenheit 451. Oh yeah. I'm just telling it out there, but that's what we are about to read in um our book club, in social justice book club. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm about to read it and see. <laughs> but this is not about that necessarily. So this is a, a Annie Spence is a librarian and she um, has written a book of love letters and breakup notes to books that she has known. Um, and it is hilarious and it is also really touching. So you will laugh out loud and then you will like sigh in recognition or feel like, oh, me too. <laughs> Me too. Um, so, like, uh, the examples were, you know, from breaking up with the giving tree, which is an incredibly dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> Sorry, Shel Silverstein, I love you, but also. Mm. And then, you know, she has a love letter to the time traveler's wife, which I remember reading. I have keep meaning to go back and read that book because I read it a long time ago and I remember loving it. And the thing is, is it's, you know, a little bit less about, you know, uh, like, books, but I think they're, um, he's a, he's a librarian. Yeah. He's a librarian. And so like stories and books come in, but it's also just a great book about, you know, marriage and love. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then it also has, um, a lot of, uh, the Dear Fahrenheit 451 has a lot of reading lists. So that's a super bonus. I'm trying to think, like, actually I think a lot of the books I included sort of end up Mm -hmm. providing reading lists um, or you can easily make a reading list from it. Yeah. So, um, you know, any book of fiction that like provides a reading list for, well, this is, this is nonfiction, but any book that provides a reading list is like catnip to me. Oh, yeah. So if there's yeah, a way, if, yeah, if you, if you're an author and you have a ton of books in your story, like your characters are reading a lot of books, you know, consider maybe making a little reading list to <laughs> pop into the back and I'll love you forever. <laughs> um, my, my next one is one that I read uh, several months ago. It's actually the book that got me back into reading. Mm. I had a pretty long dry spell at the end of last year where I just kind of got burnt out and nothing sounded good and I kept trying different genres and I kept trying old favorites. I did all of the things that I always recommend people when they're just like, hi, I'm in a reading rep. What do I do? I did all of the things and nothing was working. Mm. And then I picked up Yellow Face by R.F. Kwong. It was on our advanced reader's copy shelf. And it was just an absolute, wonderful, excruciating, intelligent, roller coaster of a book. <laughs> so this is RF Kwong's most recent book. I believe it's being published within the next couple of months, so it's still technically not out yet. But it's a searing critique of the publishing industry and more specifically how the publishing industry can uphold certain voices who may be harmful to people mm -hmm. of color. Mm -hmm. And RF Kwong herself is a woman of color. And so much of the book definitely felt like how much of this is pulled from real life experiences mm. of dealing with publishers. Mm -hmm. So this is a book about books in that it's a book about how books are made, mm. which I think is very, very fascinating. But it's about a white woman who's friends with a woman who's Chinese American who has a just flourishing career. Everybody loves her. And unexpectedly, the author who's a woman of color dies. And the white author has an opportunity to take the dead author's last manuscript that no one else knows about. And so she takes it and she tweaks it a little bit and then she passes it off as her own. Yoink. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's a, like I said, it's a searing novel. Mm -hmm. It is so just thoroughly, she really, R.F. Kwong, I think, excels in latching onto a theme and thoroughly exploring it and really going into the depths of what this theme represents. Mm -hmm. And I think this one is just so incredibly smart. And like I said, it got me out of a really, really long, like almost a six month long uh, reading rut. And so Ooh, uh, I will, okay. I love it forever because of that. Something pretty similar I haven't read yet, but it's on my desk and it's also set to be published in the next month or so is Homebodies by Timbe Denton Hurst which uh, deals with similar mm. themes of just women of color working within an industry mm. that involves writing mm. that uh, and not getting treated the same way as their white counterparts. So, like, I, I haven't read that one, like I said, but it's on, yeah. it's at the top, top, top of my list. It is. Uh, it's also giving me the other black girl yeah. vibe. So, um, and I'm 
blanking on her. Zakaya, I think. Well, it doesn't matter because it's going to be in the show notes yep. and you know it. But yeah, no, same thing. Same mm-hmm. kind of vibe. So if, yeah. you're, if you're like, I want to read about how publishing does people of color dirty, mm-hmm. we got you covered. Yeah. <laughs> really, really, really good books. Okay. Um, let me just do a 180 on that <laughs> and go go to this cozy, charming, delightful story, uh, The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery by Gabrielle Zevin. Um, it is, I mean, when people are like, I want to read a sweet, charming, lovely book, I'm like, well, here you go. Um, it's It's you know, a grumpy bookstore owner and he's grumpy for a reason, like something happened. And then, um, and it's just really examination of him and the people whose life he touches through his work as a bookseller. Um, so it also has a ton of book wrecks. There's a smidge of romance. Um, what is going on my voice today? And a lot, you know, it's just, um, it's just sweet. It's just sweet y'all. I can't, I mean, get it it's cozy it's like a little sweater <laughs> um you'll love it and then uh it, it's been made into a show and I thought for sure I would watch it because I just loved the book so much and I like a sweet thing to me I said I've said sweet 127 times to me though is like my dad's not a huge reader mm-hmm. um of novels I mean he reads a lot of other things but uh, Like he was at my house and that book was sitting out and he picked it up and kind of read the back and he like read it when he was visiting. And I don't know how many other novels he's read Mm -hmm. between that time and now, but like he read it and he really enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, this is just a, to me, this is a universal back pocket book that Mm -hmm. I think anybody would just love. So, um, but yeah, the show's on my radar. I haven't watched it yet. Maybe I'm afraid to be disappointed. I don't know. (laughs) It's always scary to watch something adapted from something you already adore. Tis. That's actually a perfect segue (laughs) because the next book I I want to recommend is The Neverending Story by Michael End. This might sound familiar to you because The Neverending Story was a series of films Mm. in the 80s and Mm -hmm. 90s, I believe. So a lot of folks have seen The Neverending Story. Yeah, every a lot of people, so many people have watched that movie and they have such a soft spot in their heart for it. Mm-hmm. And very few people know it was a book first. Mm. And I read this first when I was in high school because I was like, wait a minute, this is a book? I want to read it. And very specifically, there are certain editions of this book where depending on what point of view you're getting, mm. the ink is a different color. And so like you, the the title pages of each chapter are so elaborately designed and decorated. There's really, really beautiful illustrations and the design, um, the di- designs are just like intricate and really go into the events of the chapter. And so they're just a delight to look at, but the ink goes between a maroon color or an emerald green color. Oh, wow. It's just beautiful. Yeah. It that's, is just absolutely amazing. stunning to look at. Wow. Um, but this is about a little boy named Bastian who goes to a bookstore one day, sees a book that he thinks is really interesting and takes it because he's stinky. Mm-hmm. And then he spends all day long skipping school and reading this book. And then mm-hmm. as he gets further and further and further into the book, he realizes, wait a minute, I think I'm in this book. So it's a, a book within a book situation mm-hmm. where the book he finds is called The Neverending Story. And so depending on... The point of view is either it's either Bastian and his experiences, or it's the book he's reading, and then eventually, you know, things happen and he is in the book. Mm-hmm. But it's really, really fascinating. It's really lovely. I think I my version is fascinating, and lovely. When you were saying great earlier, or cute <laughs> sweet. or whatever it was, sweet. Yeah, I'm always just like mm-hmm. fascinating, lovely. <laughs> uh, but this one. It has a soft spot in my heart, not because of the movie. I did grow up on the movies, Mm. but it is one of the books I pitched at my original interview for this position. I'd like to say that I remember that, (laughs) but I would be lying. We were fangirling too hard about The Martian. Yeah, (laughs) that's entirely possible. But um, I think, yeah, no, I I don't remember. (laughs) I wish I did. I wish I did. 
Uh, okay. Well, the my next book is The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, mm-hmm. which is um, has also been made into a movie that I have not watched. But uh, this is not necessarily a sweet, <clears throat> lovely, nope. um, fabulous. This is a brutal story of survival and the power of books and story, um, particularly for Liesel, this young Jewish girl who is um, being hidden in a basement um, to save her life. Obviously, it's during World War II and um, story of how um, uh, books and storytelling like uh, save her life, save um, change and save the lives of those she encounters. Um, the power of like story and and storytelling and books to, you know, preserve mm-hmm. a person, you know, to preserve what needs to not be forgotten, to preserve a person's life and soul mm-hmm. um, is, it, it's just really, really well done. It's technically a YA book, but we, I think we keep it in both YA and adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just, Really incredibly done. The narrator, I don't, I'm not giving anything away. The narrator of this book is death. Um, and it, it's just like an incredible twist and perspective on, you know, World War II books, which are legion. There's a majillion mm-hmm. Holocaust books, a majillion like historical fiction around those things. And this is just a, a real different twist on mm-hmm. it. And, and, um, you know, I think it's super incredible. And, you know, if you don't know this, like uh, another name, like a name that that Jewish people have been given is the people of the book. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, for Jews in particular, books and storytelling um, like holds a really revered place yeah. in, in our faith. So um, anyways, it's, it's incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. Hanky alert. <laughs> As you might have guessed, yeah, I mean, it's, maybe it's a sad one. Yeah, it's maybe. beautiful though. I remember reading this one years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, my next one is maybe a a more lighthearted fare <laughs> than the last. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a meta book because the characters and were first mentioned. In a different book by the same author, Mm -hmm. but they were presented as a fanfic version of characters that existed within that novel's universe. And so these characters first uh, appeared. They first (laughs) appeared. They first appeared. That's the correct word. Mm -hmm. They first appeared in Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Mm. Um, And then she was so charmed by these wizard and vampire boys that she created that she decided to write Carry On, which is one of my all-time favorite books. I talk about it as much as I possibly can. It's one of those books. It's my version of a back pocket book where if someone is just like, hey, I want to read something that's really happy and fun and cute and just can take my mind off of things. I'm just like, have you read Carry On yet? Mm-hmm. And I've never had a single person come back to me and be like, hey, that book sucked, which mm-hmm. maybe they just like didn't want to tell me. But like I've had <laughs> – this is the number one book where if I recommend it to people, they'll come back mm-hmm. and be like, oh, my God, I love that so much. Thank yeah. you. Thank it you so much. Delight. It's yeah, a delight. It's a delight. And even if you're like – that doesn't sound like anything I would normally read. Like, mm-hmm. you might surprise yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a delight. But it's about a wizard named Simon Snow whose roommate may or may not be a vampire. He's pretty <laughs> sure he is, but no one will listen to him. And Simon Snow is the chosen one in this world of mages. And it's just about him and his relationships with those around him and his friendships and Baz, who is the, he's the vampire. Everybody, everybody knows he's the vampire. (laughs) He is a really refreshing take on the rival in a lot of these type of stories where Mm -hmm. he's given a lot of heart. He's given a lot of vulnerability. He has a great wardrobe. I love Baz. Everybody loves Baz. (laughs) Um, But this is a really funny meta series because they, Carry On is based off of characters that were in Fangirl, but those characters in that series are very reminiscent of another series involving mm-hmm. a wizarding boy that I won't say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the author rhymes with Shmehe Howling. But <laughs> it's so funny. It's just like It's just a, a layer mm-hmm. upon layer upon layer upon layer of meta mm-hmm. of just like, okay, like I see what you're doing, Rainbow Rowell, but I think she takes that trope and 
does it justice and does a few things with it that are really interesting and I really love it. Um, one book that I just wanted to mention because the author did something pretty similar was uh, Middle Game by um, Seanan McGuire. Mm-hmm. I believe Middle Game is referenced in another series or possibly, maybe I've gotten it wrong. Maybe this is one that mentions a book of series. Anyways, I'll get it. I'll write it in the show notes. But I know that Seanan McGuire had a specific book. And in that book, she mentioned a book book series that the characters were obsessed with and then Mm. she made that book series into an actual series which I just love when authors do that and I'm just like no I will I will Mm -hmm. write about this thing I'm now obsessed with but I just wanted to mention that as well just because I love when authors get meta noise um well this is uh a little bit to me this is a little bit meta this book um book lovers by emily henry mm-hmm. uh be- i would say it's meta yeah because i i also like have i have a thing for authors who write about writing and being an author like yeah. i i really like when when the book when authors write about authors and a Mm -hmm. little bit sometimes a little bit sometimes it's a little distracting to me Mm -hmm. because I'm I am always trying to figure out okay what's real what's not real um but I don't care like I'm I'm fine being distracted by that because I I like thinking about it so um book lovers uh is not uh a not well-known book it's Emily Henry you know Mm -hmm. it's obviously having a huge moment and um so maybe you've already read this one but I loved it it's an it's an enemies to lovers romance between a literary agent who is uh, um like a hard driven kind of you know not not fluffy uh female uh, and like she's supposed to be and then a book editor who she has decided she hates um and so that all you know of course enemies to lovers i also love but then there's also this little dash of um the little bookstore that could which Mm -hmm. gets thrown in so you know as in a romance they both end up in this little small town together. Um, she's the agent for uh, an author, a very like sort of reclusive and hard to handle um, and encourage author and who's writing about this little small town. And so they, um, that he happens to be from. So it's a real place and he happens to be from that place. So they both end up there at the same time. And, um, of course things happen because it's a romance, but I really, I really love the, the little bookstore that, that, that ends up in there. Um, I believe it's his sister's bookstore and yeah, it's the family bookstore. Yeah, it's the family bookstore. And it's just like, I just really love that. I, I maybe because I want a little family bookstore myself. I don't know. I just loved how they, um, made that come together but anyways it's really smart it's clever it's hilarious banter i love very funny yeah 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 i'm a sucker for banter so um does a really good job of that plus Mm -hmm. book recommendations oh yeah yeah so i i think it's another one of those books where even if you don't typically read romance or you think you don't like it this is a really good book to start off with this is actually a book that when i was reading it because the banter is so funny and there are so many really clever, ridiculous jokes. Mm-hmm. I was taking like screenshots mm-hmm. and sending it to a friend of mine who typically doesn't read books exactly like this. And I was like, you you need to read this. Yeah. This character is you. Yeah. You would love her. <laughs> and she ended up reading it and she was like, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. I loved that book. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, I think Emily Henry just does a really good job at taking tropes but subverting them enough that she is changing them in a way that makes it feel really, really clever and very intentional mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of relying on a, a similar script that we've all we've all just seen over and over and over again. Yeah. But I think that one that one's a really fun one to to try out, even if you think you don't like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Next up are books on my TBR list that I honestly only included because the titles were really appropriate. <laughs> um, it's The Book Eaters by Sunyi Dean and The Library of the Dead by T.L. Hu Chu. Both books involve 
books and they involve libraries. So I thought that would be really appropriate. But also this, I just wanted another excuse to talk. Okay, I have a bonus. Okay, I wanted an excuse to talk about <laughs> Sally Rooney. <laughs> Which, you know, that the whole writer's writing about writers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, normal people, when it is presented as a book, people always highlight the romance, which it is a book that involves a very, like, affecting romance. Mm -hmm. But these two characters truly bond on an emotional and intellectual level because they both love reading and they both want to write. Mm -hmm. So, so much about normal people is about these two characters talking about their writing or what type of writers they want to be or thinking about that or having discussions about books. And in my opinion, there's literally nothing more romantic than someone like being like, oh, have you read this book? And then just like having like a mm-hmm. a, a discussion about books. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, that's one of the ways that me and my partner bonded. So <laughs> that it is hot. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. there's just something about it. And when I think about that, when I think about normal people, yes, I think about the interplay between Connell and Marianne, I believe her name is. But really, I also think about the love of literature that exists in the pages of this book. And I think mm-hmm. Sally Rooney mm-hmm. does that really well in a lot of her her books where yeah. she is very much, yeah, a writer who, who writes about writing. Right. But you always know that her characters and the author herself loves books. And so I think that's something that you take away from that reading experience as well, besides just, oh, these two characters Mm. love each other and Mm -hmm. also they are damaged. But it's just, she talks so much about books and it makes me excited to read. Yeah. So I wanted to, once again, (laughs) talk about one of my favorite authors. (laughs) Love you can't get Sally away. Rooney. You can't get away from me and Sally Rooney. Mm-hmm. We're 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 here. I know. We're queer. We're gonna make you read these books. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I have, I have my number five book and a bonus too because I saw you put a bonus and I was like, well, I'm gonna put a bonus then. Um. So okay, the library book by Susan Orlean. Um. This is a nonfiction book about the 1984 fire at the LA Public Library. So on its surface, it is like an examination to figure out was it arson, what happened, um, and then the book just becomes this engrossing and beautiful story about libraries and their evolution, Mm -hmm. about librarianship and its evolution, um, about fire and firefighting, uh, like about books themselves, both, you know, books as stories and books, the physical like book itself. Um, What else was it? There was a, I mean, there's like the mystery. There's a a particular. It's a history of LA as well. Yes. There's like, so there's the person they, think was the arsonist so you get like his sort of interesting story there's yeah there's how LA became LA Mm -hmm. there's like and how the library was a piece of that community and that community itself so Mm -hmm. it's just um it was like it hops back and forth and and you might think like it she does it so well she's like such an incredible writer Mm -hmm. and and like you know if, if you like narrative nonfiction this is for you because yep. it will just suck you in and you're like this, did this this is real like i mean yeah it really happened and and she did a wonderful job talking about it and then my bonus book is also on my tbr pile and I'm embarrassed. It's been on my TBR pile for like forever, but I guess I haven't read Fahrenheit 451 yet either. So um, <laughs> whatever. This book only came out a few years ago. Um, it's the Book Woman of Troublesome Creek. Um, I haven't read it yet. I know I've mentioned it here on the pod before. Um, and I, I just want to include it because I loved the author when I met her. She was so sweet and so nervous. This was like her <laughs> first book. And this was her community. You know, she lives up in the hills in Kentucky. And um, she's writing about this, uh, the blue people of Kentucky, which is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's people who have a blood disorder that... That makes them their skin look blue, uh, and you know it's the uh, women, the well, primarily women on horseback librarians, um, and I just think that that is an incredible premise of a story to read. You know, somebody who like so cares for 
the community and mm-hmm. so cares for books and reading that they are getting on horseback and going all over all yeah. this treacherous terrain to like bring books out. Um, and I also don't understand why LPL hasn't given me a horse to deliver <laughs> books. And I think I might just suggest instead of the mug and coaster that I will get for my 10-year anniversary that I be given a horse. <laughs> I'll Name take that up. Dottie 2.0. <laughs> I'm going to be taking this up with HR as soon as we're <laughs> off the pod right now. Um, but I really, yeah, I, I think everyone I know who's read it just loved it, thought it was like really, really good book and mm-hmm. a great love letter. So um, there's another book that has almost the exact same premise that came out around the same time. There was a little controversy about that. It was it's The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't need any hype. Like everybody already reads her books. So yep. yeah, I really, I loved this one. Yeah. Um, okay. There you go, folks. There you got go. some books. Speaking yep. of, don't forget to check out the show notes to see what the book clubs are up to. So you can oh, read yeah. even more. Yeah. We've got, uh, we got some good stuff we're reading coming yeah. up soon. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We really do. Okay. Uh, all right. Yes. What uh, are you currently obsessed with? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I took a little small vacation around the 1st of April, um, went to Oklahoma City and Tulsa, and uh, someone tipped me off that I should stop at this brewery called American Solera in Tulsa. Uh, got there on a beautiful, windy, 72-degree day. It's a gorgeous, like, big industrial building that has been converted Mm -hmm. into this just super charming, like, space and ordered myself just luckily uh, something called Strawberry Boom Boom, (laughs) which is a delicious, incredible, incredible beer that I fell in love with. And I'm just, like, I think forever will be burned in my brain that I was sitting on this, like, peach velvet couch looking at these giant giant windows all around the the window behind me was open a warm breeze blowing while I sipped my strawberry boom boom out of my fancy glass um yeah, so I guess incredible. I guess what I'm saying is I'm obsessed with American Solera and I'm obsessed with Strawberry Boom Boom and trying trying to find it I bought some to bring home but mm-hmm. I did not bring home nearly enough. <laughs> I can guarantee you that because I'm I'm already I'm a, a miser. I haven't I've only opened one and I'm already sad about thinking about opening the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a problem. Mm. Um so that I guess related to that is that I've just been like really bitten by the travel bug. I actually joined a Facebook group for women over 50 who are solo travelers. Oh, cool. Um, and it's been incredible and just watching like everywhere that everybody's going. And obviously some folks have a lot of money and are doing like mm, trips that I, yep. you know, and some some people are just like doing, you know, they've saved up a long time and they are doing it in a particular way that's like a little off the grid and, mm-hmm. and, but they're, I just love watching all of these women go on trips by themselves. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. It's so, it's so amazing. And, and I think, because I think I will end up, I mean, obviously I will travel with my partner, but I think I would really enjoy being a solo traveler because mm-hmm. we don't enjoy the same kinds of things. And so primarily I want to sit on a beach yeah. with sand in all of my places and look at water. Have you I'm- ever watched Parisia Tem? It's a it's like a it's a French film, but it's a almost like a collection of sh- short stories. It's like short films, and I think maybe they're directed by different directors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's just all about it's a love story essentially to Paris. Mm. And one on my list. Yeah. One of the the short films, one of my favorites that I think about all the time within that, within Parisiatem, is about an American traveler. And she, I'm guessing, is in her 50s or her 60s. And she's traveling alone and experiencing this romantic city by herself and having such a 
a beautiful, quiet, intimate trip and and mm-hmm. learning how to enjoy this city as a solo traveler. Mm. It's very romantic in that she's just loving the city and appreciating it and there's not an expectation of romance she's just kind Mm -hmm. of quietly Mm -hmm. looking around and observing things and speaking french in a very stilted way where you can tell (laughs) this is not her first language but it's someone who's out there experiencing life to the fullest Mm -hmm. as a solo traveler but it's just it's so sweet it's such a sweet little story wrapped up in this it's on my list now because I do I would like to see that because I'm I've been bitten hard and there's a few places I'd like to go back to but Mm -hmm. when I think about like there's so many places I haven't been then I start to get like oh my gosh I'm trying to get those some places yeah and then you know uh, Ted Lasso's back and it's the third season and probably the final season supposed to be so um I am obsessed with that of Mm -hmm. course yeah as I should be you know that stash. I, I still haven't watched it. I need to. You what? Yeah, I think I'm waiting for the whole season to be out so I don't have to wait. You guys, or, I'm. you can't see my face right now, but I am. <laughs> guys, I think I've just been fired. <laughs> I, my eyeballs are boring into Adam's eyeballs Polly right now. Like regrets hiring me many years ago. <laughs> No, I don't, and I, I can see why. I, I can see by waiting for the whole shebang to be out. Okay, okay. It's fine. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, speaking of watching things, though, I've been obsessed with classic Hollywood, and I it's, I'm very much hearkening back to my undergrad days when I was like a film person, and I like really appreciated cinema, and <laughs> the cinema, the cinema. And so I've been watching a lot of films from the 1930s and 40s, a little bit in the 50s, and I have a huge Google Excel sheet now that, like, details where I can find them and, like, where, like what streaming services. Polly, to watch Nerd. one of these movies, I signed up for the Criterion channel. Did you know that was a subscription service? Ooh. It well, is. Hmm. <laughs> It's really good. I like it a lot so far. Um, But a lot of what has been encouraging me to watch films that are more of the history of filmmaking, Mm. like uh, instead of just like more contemporary movies, is the YouTube channel Be Kind Rewind. She does Mm. video essays specifically on women in classic Hollywood and sometimes like she did a a one recently on Michelle Yeoh and her mm, um, mm-hmm. history making win mm, mm. Um, when it came to the Oscars but she focuses on women and their and puts their wins oftentimes because she puts it within the, the lens of Oscars as a way of talking about historically what was happening at the time, mm. why they won, who didn't win, what did this say about oh, film at the time, cool. what does it say about women and their representation. Mm. So she really, really delves deep into what is a just a yet another systemic problem of underrepresentation mm. when it comes to women and also especially when it comes to people of color. But she's really, really smart. I've just been binging all of her videos and I'm a little sad when I'm gonna get to the end. Oh, but okay. um along the same lines, I have mm-hmm. to recommend Broey De Chanel, who does mm-hmm. similar <laughs> stuff and her name is also really funny. <laughs> Um, but I'm also obsessed with uh, Broey Deschanel's um, <laughs> podcast called Rehash, where okay. her and her best friend talk about internet trends that they think are interesting. Mm-hmm. And want to talk about like the most recent one they did was on the origins and the current use of Karen. And when mm-hmm. people talk about oh Karen, such a Karen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And then besides that, I'm obsessed with. Um, art and buying art specifically mm-hmm. an artist by Dario Tesler and I'm gonna be a jerk and I'm not gonna link <laughs> to the artist <laughs> so Etsy that. page because there are certain prints that there are very few left and I want to buy them and oh. you don't get them no nope. they're I mine guess, I guess you'll have to do that <laughs> research on your this is one research this librarian will not be doing for you <laughs> so hmm. okay that all sounds really interesting I'll, I'll check that out yeah. I, I say like I am still shocked like you know Gina Davis does all kinds of stuff yeah. for um, you know promoting like women in, in mm-hmm. cinema and film and 
still to this day when I like when they when they do analyses of like how much talk time women or people of color mm-hmm. get in it's in films like even when like even when it looks like the representation is the same like number of people mm-hmm. just the talk time is so yeah. different. And so when people are like, what do you mean? How can you say that it's, you know, it's not equal anymore? Like this mm-hmm. is like pure actual data. Like it's yeah. just numbers that you can look at and and maybe think about. Yeah. Because that's yeah. really, yeah. it's Izzy really from Be Kind Rewind makes a lot of really valid points about how especially women of color, you don't see them very often or they're not really lauded for their performances or just women in general, except for big budget action films Hmm. like um, Rey in the Mm -hmm. Star Wars reboot, um, all of the superhero movies. There, Mm -hmm. You see a lot more women, but it's almost like the roles are just very specifically usually for conventionally attractive thin white women Mm -hmm. or just women have to be in positions where like they're like really, really powerful and just like, oh, they're going to like kick butt, which is great. It's lovely to see that. But Mm -hmm. also, you know, there are so many stories and there are so many nuances of stories that we just don't get to see as often as you would with white men. Mm -hmm. There are just Mm -hmm. a multitude of stories of just white men in any any place, any life stage, any job, anything you can think of. And it's just, yeah, it's it's wild how even though there is a little bit more diversity mm-hmm. in the film industry now, it's also relegated to a very specific type of film. And so that itself is still incredibly limiting and not at all representational (laughs) because not all of us are Captain Marvel and we should be able to see things, Mm -hmm. I don't know, we should be able to see more and more from from these actresses. It's absolutely true. But yeah, I think it's fascinating if you're at all, once again, I say fascinating, uh, if you're (laughs) interested in film and film history and about talking about how we've come here and why films are the way they are, I highly recommend Be Kind Rewind. I love that channel so much. Well, what a sweet wrap-up that was. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) All right, then. I hope that um, the next time you hear from me, I'll have acquired more Strawberry Boom Boom. And happy reading. Happy reading. That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe and please rate or comment. You'll help others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Kinn and Adam Lopez. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Joel Bonner, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.